Hi, everyone. I'm Cindy Stewart, and welcome to my podcast. Each week, we will talk about how to live our lives in God's fullness. My goal is to encourage, equip, and empower you. I have included show notes that highlight the points of this message. You can also find all the information on my website, cindy-stewart.com. I am so excited about sharing this journey with you. So let's begin. Yeah, you haven't heard of rushing the buckets yet. That can be our new phrase. It's time to rush the buckets. Everybody get ready. Yeah, that is so funny. I love it. I love it. That's good. So God, thank you. That is that scripture out of, out of the Passion Translation, out of 2 Corinthians uh, 9. It says that God loves a cheerful giver. So we've, we, no, God loves a hilarious giver, hilarious giver. So as we give, there is the hilarity that fills us in our giving. So good. So good. Okay, so we're going to have some fun today. We're going to talk about living in the spirit, which is part of our series. Um, and today we're going to talk about preposterous outcomes. And you know, you think of that word, how many people use that word this week? Yeah, none of us. We might say outrageous, we might say ridiculous, but it's funny when you look up the definitions of some of those words, they actually have negative connotations, not positive. So it's hard to find a word other than maybe unbelievable uh, to be able to describe what God does for us. And that's what we're talking about is what God does for us. I mean, even just think about the testimonies we just listened to, um, the word that Jean gave earlier. I told uh, Karen yesterday, I think it was yesterday when I was talking to her this morning or something, I said, you know, God showed me he's going to do something during worship. And I didn't know what that was. And of course, I had lots of suggestions for God because he, he likes to have input. He really does. I mean, he really does. But when Jean gave that word, of course, I felt the presence of the Lord. I was like, you know, there's nothing like getting dressed up and then laying on the carpet for a while and messing up your hair and getting that little red place in your forehead and the little brush burn on your nose. But, you know, the presence was so heavy. Yeah. It's all I could do. And then when Jean gave that word about um, the streams and the rivers and the sea, I felt like that is what is God, God was doing this morning, that he's releasing the streams, he's releasing the rivers, he's releasing the seas over the earth, his glory is covering it. And I was like, so God, that's what you're doing today. Not only was he filling our house with his presence and the weight of his glory, but, but he is telling us what to look for through the, through the prophetic word he gave Jean. And I, I just felt like that was such a powerful word. And you know, when prophetic words come, our responsibility is to steward that word. Our responsibility is to declare what he has given us, you know, as, as a body. So that word was just not a word that was a great word. It was a word that we grab a hold of and we declare the streams not only within this body, not only within us, but the streams that are flowing out of us are flowing into the river. 
you know, the river of living water that comes out of us that is flowing into the sea where his glory covers the earth. So we have to remember those words that are given in a corporate environment are words that are our responsibility as bodies of believers to facilitate forward, to move the kingdom forward. It was such a great word that that Jean uh, gave us this morning, and we just thank you, Lord, for that word. So, uh, Lord, we just come together and declare that what you are doing on the earth in this moment, you are uh, crashing heaven into the earth. You're, you're releasing uh, this tributary of, of waters that, that carry your glory, that cover the earth. And, and Lord, this is just a, a, a mere beginning of what we're going to see. And, and that word over China, God, we just come into agreement that, that uh, China is going to rise up in the glory of the Lord. So, Lord, we just come into agreement of what's been released and, and show us, Lord, how to steward that, each one of us, corporately, individually, to bring forth your word. You know, your word says that you are always looking to fulfill your word. And that fulfillment comes through your people. So, God, we just thank you for your glory that covers the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I'm going to define preposterous. And because uh, we like to know what we're talking about when we think about this word. So, we're talking about what is contrary to nature, it's contrary to our normal, it's something out of our realm of reason, understanding, common sense. It's just mind-blowing. Um, it's con- this, this is the one part of the definition that I loved, that it's contrary to our logic, it's contrary to what we understand, and it's contrary to how we've been trained. Whew. You know, God is contrary to everything that we understand because he is the God that releases these unbelievable things before our eyes that make us say, is that real? It makes us say, God, I know that that was awesome, but I, don't, I can't actually assimilate that into my brain. Okay, Ephesians 3.20. We're actually going to go to Luke 5. That's where we're going to spend some time in. But I just wanted to read this out of the Passion Translation. It says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you to accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. That's who our God is. So we're going to start in Luke 5. Ephesians 3.20 in the Passion Translation. 3.20 in the Passion. Yeah, just holler out. If you need something, you're going to add something. You know, this can be communal preaching this morning. Well, you know, when you think about it, what I'm going to say, you already know. 
and and what what you're gonna what's gonna happen is there's gonna be things that are stirred up inside of you as landmarks as remembrances as uh, these wonder of encounters with God both small and large that you have forgotten because if we go back and try to track everything that God has done for us everything every minute of our life from you know someone giving me two things of uh, antibacterial you know whatever that's called any hand sanitizer whatever it is um, you know from from I mean something that seemingly insignificant to you know when we got saved to, to you know to all these different things like John says if we wrote down everything Jesus did the world would not be able to contain it if all of us captured everything that God did for us the world would not be able to contain it I mean can you imagine what the the book of life looks like in heaven where our names are written in can you imagine the history of our lives that God has written for us? When we, when we encounter him in the eternal place of forever and ever and ever, can you imagine him going through and saying, let me read the story of your life? You know, like he said in Jeremiah, before I knew you, but before you were born, I knew you. I had written the purpose of your life before you were conceived in your mother's womb. So no, just think about that. Think about Jesus saying, oh, Matt, I'm so glad you're here. Let's go over your life. From before you were born, for when he chose you, and he, in every moment, every day, every thought uh, that he gave you, that he imparted, every time he protected you, every uh, freedom that you received, all written down. It would take an eternity just to go through it all. Because there's things that he's done for us that we don't even know it was him. There are these things that have happened that we completely missed that there was this angelic presence that just scooted right past us, protected us, covered us, and next thing we know, we're out of the dark. Um, a friend of ours just posted something on Facebook. Her, her husband, and her uh, kids were in a car and they were in a car wreck at the 275 I-4 junction. And they were going to flip, you know, go over the barrier or whatever that separates the two of them. And they came out of the whole wreck with just scratches. No damage, no injury, no broken bones, just, just, a, just a little bit of scratches here and like a little neck burn from the seatbelt. I mean, just think about that. We do not know what intervened to keep them protected. We just don't know. And uh, it's one of those things that we're just in this constant state of awe of who God is. So let, let's go to John 5. Because we can talk about the awe and the testimonies of God. We, we, maybe we need to do that. Chuck can hold the microphone and walk around and... We've got lots of spray to spray each other. And now that we've had our Mother's Day hand-holding time. <laughs> God, we just thank you for your holy hand sanitizer. <laughs> yeah, Luke 5.1. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about going fishing. How many like to fish? Okay. Today would be a good day to fish. This is... Uh, 
So here, here's Jesus. He said, see a Galilee. And, and I love this part it, in the Passion Translation. I'm reading now the Amplified, but in the Passion Translation in verse one, it says that the crowds were pressing in, pushing forward so that they could hear Jesus. So that they could hear Jesus. Verse two says, uh, he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. So my dad used to take us fishing. Of course, there were five of us kids, so there were a lot of us. And he used to take us fishing. And um, the only thing I liked about it was we had, we, we had cane poles. We didn't have anything that reeled in. My dad did, but the rest of us kids all got the cane poles. The only thing I liked about it was hooking the worms or the crickets, because that's what we used, and catching the fish. The in-between part of waiting was really hard because all five of us kids had to be quiet. <laughs> You've got five little kids with poles, with hooks, with worms, with crickets, and we had to be quiet. <laughs> it, it, well, it, it was not really a miracle because none of us could all be quiet at the same time. As soon as one of us would be quiet, the other one would start, and then we'd all start talking to each other again. So I'm sure it was torture for my dad but he took us anyhow. I remember one time we went to Alligator Point, which is just up in the panhandle, and we all fished, and we caught tons of fish. The, we even caught stingrays, but we threw all them back. But he lined us up like an assembly line because we had to clean what we caught. So one of us got to cut the heads off. Here, we're kids. We're kids with knives and fish that are still flipping around a little bit. It was messy. And we, we had to clean them all. Then we had to clean up all the guts that we spilt everywhere from trying to clean the fish. You know, I was going to say, uh, fishing is not exactly my favorite thing, but uh, there were parts of it I liked. And then we were going to cook the fish. Well, by the time you've cleaned them and all that kind of stuff, you're like, can we have hamburgers or some hot dogs? <laughs> it just wasn't the same. So here, you know, here are the s disciples, they're out. They've cleaned their nets. They're all done. And can you imagine they've been out all night long? And uh, verse 3 says, uh, Jesus, he gets into the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put it out a little distance from the shore. And he sat down and began to teaching them, teaching the crowds from the boats. Did you know that water carries sound? I think it's pretty interesting. I was doing a little reading on it. Usually the water has to be calm for it to be able to carry because if it's waves, it breaks it up. Just interesting little tidbit there. Um, verse four, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch of fish. Put forward. Now, he's been out all night. He's also picked up another gig of taking Jesus out into the water so he can preach. And Jesus like, I'm not quite done. You need to catch a fish. And Simon's reply was, yay, I knew you would bring fish our way. No, that's not what he said. <laughs> Jesus says, I'm going to do something great for you. You're like, yay. No, Peter's like, really? Really? He's like, master. I mean, think about this. You know, we read the Bible and think, oh, of course it's Peter. Of course. You know, we think it was so easy, but it's so complex because his body was tired. 
His finances were empty because they came out empty when they went fishing all night long. Jesus, the one, and remember, this is in the first year of being called. This is not like almost three years into it. This is still in the first new season of being called. Peter's still in the new season with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, go out to the deep. Well, going out to the deep, they didn't have motors where they just cranked it up and went out all the way to the deep. They had to get out there. And Peter's like, Master, I'm really worn out. And uh, he says, we worked hard all night to the point of exhaustion and caught nothing in our nets. So basically, what? What are you asking me to do? And he says, but at your word, I will. Do as you say and lower the nets again. It's at your word. It's at your rhema word. Because there wasn't the scripture that says, Jesus is going to send you out with your boat to fish. He's hearing a word that he has got to respond to. You know, when we are following the Spirit and we are preparing ourselves for these outrageous, oh, I can't say that right, preposterous outcomes, when we're preparing ourselves for that, what we, what we have to do is we have to be present. We have to be present to what the Spirit's saying to us. Jesus, I mean, Peter had to be present to what Jesus was saying to him. And when they used the word master, you know, at, everyone in authority was called master, was called Lord. And when it goes on, we'll, we'll read this in a minute. It, Simon isn't saying Lord Jesus of all creation. He's saying, I recognize your authority. I have committed to following you as a disciple. There are... If, this is early on in our relationship. I'm understanding that you're greater than anyone I've ever known. So at your word, I am going to honor you and do what you have asked me to do. I'm going to be present. I'm going to move into this. When they have done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were at the point of breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats with fish. So they began to sink. Now think about this. What just happened? First of all, fishing during the day was not the best way to catch fish. So everything was counterintuitive to what Peter knew as a fisherman. The only thing he had seen Jesus do as a disciple, was turn water into wine. You know, the, the healing of his mother-in-law hadn't come yet. You know, when you read the book, the Bible chronologically, it helps you understand the order of how it was. So he's in the very beginning of his relationship. He's seen Jesus turn water into wine, and he wasn't in the middle of what Jesus was doing. He was an observer on the outside. And now all of a sudden, he's encountering this boatload of fish that is about to sink the boats because there's too many fish. And uh, in, the, you know, in the commentaries, it says it was about a ton of fish. Now think about that. Can you think about catching a ton of fish? He threw his nets out. Was it plural or singular? Let's look. 
Oh, it didn't say. It just said when they had done this. Yeah, nets. Okay, nets. So they're trying to pull in a ton of fish. Normally, it would take them two weeks to catch a ton of fish. And they're catching, it, they're catching two weeks worth of wages in one night, in a matter of a moment. Because Peter was present, he was willing, and he responded. You know, we can be present and not be willing. I've been, I've been not willing sometimes. It was so funny. I was at the park the other day. I always go early in the morning. I get my cup of coffee. I drink my coffee, and then I go for a run. So I'm sitting in my car, drinking my coffee. I'm looking at the water, and there's this young man, and he's doing exercises on the bench, on the park bench. They have park benches. And he's doing exercises, but I notice he's got crutches, and I'm looking at his crutches. I'm looking at him. He's young. He's probably 20-something, very muscular. He's doing like 100 push-ups. I'm like, Phew. but he's got one leg up because he's hurt. His ankle's hurt. And I'm sitting in the car, and I just hear God say, you know, I want to heal him. I'm like, awesome. In the name of Jesus, be healed. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> it's all good with me. <laughs> Okay, I'm present, but am I willing? And it wasn't that I wasn't willing, I was just busy. You know, it's, sometimes it's just a matter of, of my timing and his timing. It's not always the same. Right. And we, we know that happens to all of us. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, you know, I'll finish up my coffee. I still have to put on my tennis shoes because I always wear my flip-flops out before I go for a run. So finally, I'm like, okay. So I get out of the car. I get my tennis shoes on and all that. Um, finish up my coffee. I wonder if Jesus is up there going. <laughs> I sometimes wonder that because I don't always think through how my response may look to him. You know, I don't always think through, uh, you know, my first reaction. So I get out and I walk over and I'm like, hey guys, I know we're trying to social distance, so I'm trying to get in your space. I did say that. I said, I know we're trying to social distance, but... And I told him while I was there, I said, I saw you hurt your foot. How'd you do it? He said, oh, yeah, it's a terrible sprain, and I'm not able to run or anything. And I said, well, I don't know if you guys are believers, but I was sitting in my car, and I felt like the Lord said that he wanted to heal you. They're like, oh, we are believers. I'm like, that is so much easier. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not going to have to work as hard for it. <laughs> Although it can work the other way too. But uh, so anyhow, uh, I'm talking to him and I, I pray over his foot. And I said, so try it out. He gets up and walks around. He's like, well, I'm sure it'll be okay. It, it is better, but it's not done. I said, well, let's pray again. So we prayed again. And um, yeah, we prayed again and his foot was much better. And I told him, I said, the Lord said he is going to heal your foot. So what I, I want to let you know is that it may not be perfect in this moment, but as you go, it will be. And you will be surprised when you realize that, oh, no, my foot's healed. He's like, this is so awesome. And so he was very receptive. But, you know, I was present, I was willing, and I was responsive eventually. I mean, it was all within minutes. But, you know, sometimes you just have to process, you know, do I need to fix my hair? I, you know, there's a lot of stuff to think about. I know guys don't think about that, but there's a lot of stuff to think about, you know. But that, you know, that is how we see these amazing things of God happen. 
And, and just like the fish in the, in the filling up the boat, you know, Peter, it doesn't say that Peter has any expectation of anything. He's just being respectful. He's doing what Jesus asked him to do. And out of his respect, out of his obedience, out of his wanting to um, push out to the deep, God supersedes anything he could have thought was going to happen. His, his miracle of filling that place with fish was beyond anything Peter could have thought. Because when Peter saw that, verse 8, it says, when Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' feet. He fell down at Jesus' feet saying, away from me, for I am a sinful man, Lord. Now think about that response. I have, I have ponder over. I've looked up every word in the sentence, in the Hebrew, in the Greek, and this and that. But you know, think about, would your response be falling to your knees and declaring the darkness of your heart? I mean, just think about that response. Seems like he would have been doing cartwheels and, and helping his guys pull it in. No, he hits the ground and falls to his knees. And it's, and it's interesting because um, verse 9, it says, For he and all of his companions were completely astounded at the catch of fish which, was take, which they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And of course, they end up being the inner group for Jesus. And Jesus said to Simon, now listen to Jesus' response to him. I just find these interesting little things. Have no fear. Now, why would you be afraid? Why would you have trepidation? Why would you have whatever that is, other than encountering Jesus in a place that you don't quite understand all that's happening there? He says, have no fear. He said, from now on, you will be catching men. I mean, think about that. You know, when we think about it in the context of being trained on this for over 2,000 years, you know, we've, we've heard it talk. There's been commentaries, whole books written on it, the whole nine yards. But when we try to set ourselves in the position of Peter and him saying, you know, this, this isn't the first time Jesus called him. He called him um, uh, several chapters back. But... Uh, he says, have no fear, for, your, for you will catch men. And Peter responds, and they, brought, and they had brought their boats to land. They left everything. That ton of fish that was their finances for the next couple of weeks, that meant nothing to them anymore. They, brought, they left everything and followed him, becoming his disciples, believing and trusting in him, following his example. And that's the additional words added by the Amplified. But when you think about this, that they believed in him, and that was a big thing that we talked about on our Thursday night group, is having the faith and the belief in how God is kind of bringing us back to what belief is, what that faith in him is. 
you know, what is it to truly believe who he is, to be confident in who Jesus is, even though we aren't certain of everything that's happening around us. You know, we can be confident in Jesus and not understand why a ton of fish are dropped in our lap. We can be confident in Jesus and not understand why our house wasn't built at the same time everybody else's was, and then realizing that there was a whole new financial favor that was released into it in order for us to be in the position we need to be. You know, it's interesting to think about this journey with Jesus that he has us all on. Because none of our journeys are the same. We've all encountered God at different times. I mean, just think about, think about one time that God just completely blew you away with this preposterous outcome. Just one time. Just think of one. Think of how did it affect you? Were you overjoyed? Were you afraid? Were you uncertain? You know, was it clear that it was Jesus? Was it, did you have to kind of think for a minute and think, what the heck is happening here? I mean, how did it really affect you? Um, You know, did it boost your faith? Did it make you hungry? Did it stir you for more? Did, you know, what, what that encounter, I think Bruce said earlier today, that encounter with Jesus gives us an invitation, an invitation to step in, in a more present, willing, and responsive way, or it can cause us to step back. Because there's a fear of not really understanding and not being able to step over. You know, think about, I mean, you just think about some of the things that that Peter went through. You know, think about some of the things. You know, Peter was always um, ready, whether it was the right ready or not. I mean, we've, we've done that. Think about it. I mean, Peter, you know, they're having this glorious transformation on this mountain, transfiguration, and Jesus is glowing, and Elijah and Moses is there. Peter's like, can I build you a house? What can I do for you? You know, somehow... But, you know, he was just trying to do something, you know, whether it was the right thing or not. What, you know, the father didn't say, Peter, just sit down and relax. He just kept doing what he was going to do. And then Peter finally came up underneath it. But, you know, think about some of the things. Think about in John 6 when, when Jesus is talking about, you know, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And, and um, you know, the disciples are like, that's, that's pretty difficult because everybody had left. Pretty much everybody had left. And Jesus said, do you want to leave? And Peter's like, I don't understand what is happening. I don't even understand what you're saying. But all I know is what you say has so much life, there's no way that I can leave. There's no way I can leave. I don't understand that. I'm not going to be able to explain it to my family or to my kids. I don't get it. We know that that's against the law. But I can't leave you because all I know is... What when you breathe, when you speak, life comes over me. So I can't leave. I can't leave. So, you know, when we think about it, we've all had times where our faith was tested. We've all had times where we're like, yeah, I don't know. I remember, and I was, I was telling somebody about this a few days ago, 
uh, it's probably been 25 years ago, you know, we had spent our life in a organized denominational church, our life. And um, I'd had an encounter with Jesus when I was nine, and I spent the next 30 years, 25 years, looking for that Jesus that I encountered. But I spent my, I grew up in an organizational, you know, church. And our focus wasn't necessarily relationship. It was works. You know, it was serving on the committee and spaghetti dinners and, you know, all those things. Making sure that, you know, from a little, when I was a little girl, we had to have our gloves on and our hat on for Easter because you couldn't go to church without gloves and hat. I don't I don't know, I can't find that in here, but I, that was the rule. But, you know, there were so many things that um, I could not, in my heart, I knew there was more, but I could not find a breakthrough in the barrier of what I wanted, what I had encountered. And I just got tired. I got tired, and I told Jesus, I said, you're going to have to show up or I'm going to give up. I said, I... There's got to be more than this, and I can't seem to get that breakthrough. And, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, it was, it was on my part of not, I didn't know how to seek the word. I didn't know how to, you know, break it all down. I didn't know how to read a scripture and say, just talk to me, Holy Spirit. I didn't know how to do any of that. I just made sure I read the things that they told me to read and I didn't read anything else because they knew I wouldn't understand it because you know the Bible was very um for me growing up and for me and my church days it was segmented to things we could understand it was segmented to uh you know the um you know the Lord's Prayer it was segmented to uh things that were easy to understand you know, I can understand not to kill. I can understand that. I can understand not to steal. Maybe I stole a piece of gum when I was like a little kid, but I did. But, you know, I can understand the Ten Commandments. But anything, we weren't pressed to go beyond into presence. We were restrained because if God showed up, we wouldn't know what to do. And it might be wrong. And it might not be God. And if it wasn't God, then what would we do? You know, there was, there was so much fear around the embrace of God that when we think about this whole thing I'm talking about, we were present and we were willing and we were responsive into the things that we understood and the things that we could determine by our logic, our understanding of what we've been taught, not by the breath of God blowing on us to possibly, you know, go across that young man in the park or you know or or just declaring that God's going to provide everything I need and seeing those finances show up because I knew God would do it even though I couldn't understand it um so when when we I don't even know what made me start on this but anyhow I know what it was it was John 6 when we realize that God is showing us something that we understand we have to stay present with him so he can unfold what he wants to show us. We have to be willing to follow his lead, to follow the spirit, to take us to the place that he wants us to go. You know, um, I've got a few more minutes. So 
I remember the first time I was translated, and I've told you this. I went from one place to the other. I didn't talk about it because it was too weird. First of all, I couldn't explain it. When you're driving a car and it ends up somewhere that you are not, but you're actually in the car with it, you can't explain that. And I couldn't talk about it. I thought it was too weird. So then he's done it a few other times. And one time Chuck and I were uh, going to Atlanta from here and we're driving and Chuck is sleeping. And um, God said, if you will worship me, I will teach you about translation. I'll teach you how to be translated in the spirit. And I was like, I can do that. But what did that mean? I was like, you know, I, I, I was there and I was willing but there was no understanding, but he did. He taught me about it as I worshiped and he translated us as we were driving. And he put an angel that I could see, which I don't see those beside me as we went. And I'm like, we got a lot going on here, God. <laughs> and I'm just trying to drive. <laughs> Chuck's asleep. You know, it is a lot for our mind to be able to sort. And it's, it's, that, it's that faith that he stirs up in us to just say, I'm going to lean in and just take in what you're showing me. And Chuck wakes up and he goes, where are we? And he looks at the clock and I told him, he said, that's impossible. <laughs> goes back to sleep. <laughs> well, obviously that didn't rattle him. He's like, I'm like don't you want to talk about it? He's like, no, <laughs> I'm sleeping. But, you know, it's those things that 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 dismantle our need for logic because i cannot logically i can talk about quantum physics and when my book i talk a little bit quantum physics like i said it's enough to uh impress anyone who doesn't know anything about quantum physics it's enough to tick anyone off that does know all about it and they're like oh that's close but you know we can talk about quantum physics which there is a piece of that that helps explain this. But we understand that God invented quantum physics. That was not at the hands of a scientist. He brought a revelation to us about, and, and we called it quantum physics. Well, I don't know if that's a God name or not, but we called it quantum physics to give us some understanding of, uh, as they call it, popping the quiff. Now, all you quantum physics, do not write me notes on Facebook page, okay? Because we're not even going to go there. But, you know, think about it. W that we can scientifically lay out some of these things. But it's only because God has given us the revelation to be able to do that. Yeah. It's not because we have a full understanding of what happened. We have pieces and parts that we put together. So when we think about the things that he wants to do for us, whether, I mean, really, when we think about everything we do, he does for us, when we follow the Spirit, is this preposterous outcome? Because what he does for us, just think about when you were saved. And all of a sudden, we are no longer sinners. We are saved by grace. All of a sudden, we're filled with the very presence of his living spirit inside of us. All of a sudden, we, 
we get the mind of Christ because it says that those who believe in him, we carry the mind of Christ. All of a sudden, we're able to make decisions and have wisdom that we've never been able to have before because of this this thing that God has done that has completely changed us from the inside out. Think about times you've been healed. Think about when financial provision. Think about when families have been reconnected. Think about all of these things that God has put his hand on that we know of and all the things that we don't know of. Ask God, start showing me things, reminding me of the things that you've done for me that I didn't even realize you've done. You know, bring up a remembrance in me so I can begin to worship you. And you know, when we remember, it builds our faith. It helps us to believe. It helps us to start sharing it with other people like we do with our testimonies. Because what does it do? It encourages us and it it says to us, if they did it, if you did it for them, you'll do it for us. Every time we hear a healing, we know we can put a demand on that healing because God wants to do it for everyone. It's the revelation that makes it make us believe that it's possible that we can attain it. Amen. So um, God is so, so amazing. Um, yeah, so amazing. So amazing. Um, anyhow, I think that's it. I think we're, that's all we're going to talk about. But I just, I just want us to remember that in being present with God opens up the dialogue. And, you know, Peter wasn't afraid to ask every question. He wasn't afraid to say, you know, that that's too hard for us, Lord. I don't know what that means. Uh, he wasn't afraid to really be present and authentic and, and, and just wrestle with God over things. He wasn't afraid of that. He wasn't afraid to be willing to do more than what he needed to do or, or do exactly what, he, you know, God wanted him to do. Push out his boat. He wasn't afraid to go deep. You know, in, in his willingness... His character was transformed, and our willingness were transformed. Because what happens is it, it reworks us. It transforms us. You know, when, when Peter says to Jesus, Master, I already fished all night. What are you talking about? There was a transformation that happened when he pushed out and saw what Jesus could do to his, in response to his willingness. So it transforms our character. It transforms our faith. Every for faith, faith. Ah, oh, so amazing. And when he, um, there was one other little thing I wanted to. Oh, and he, our responsiveness makes room for the incredible things God wants to do for us. It makes room. If we don't respond, we can't receive. If we don't say yes to Jesus, then He'll never be our Savior. If we don't respond to, God, right here is my big mess. Do you think you can figure that out? He's like, if you'll do this, then we don't even know what he's going to do. You know, it's funny because Jesus told Peter, I'm going to get you a catch. And Peter's like, but do I have to? I mean, you know, think about it. Jesus has promised us so many things. And our responsiveness, our willingness, our, our, our being present gets us the fulfillment of the things that he's promised us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's pray. Let's stand up and pray. Whew. 
Have y'all ever read that book, uh, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Got to Get Out of the Boat? It's a great book. It's old. It's probably 20 years old, but it is a great book. And uh, I feel like that's, that's our invitation today. If we want to walk on water, if we want this fullness of life even more, because we, we're all living a full life, but there's even more. And sometimes you think, how could there be more? But there's more. You know, if we, we got to continue to walk on water. So Jesus, we just thank you that uh, you've invited us into this. You've invited us. You say, come, follow me. And as we follow your spirit, the, the world opens up to what heaven can bring. And you've given us the invitation to be facilitators of all those things. Even Peter's shadow healed. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given us that invitation. And, and our willingness to stay in the presence, our willingness to be responsive to what you've called us to do uh, makes room for the greater things. The greater things from moment to moment, the greater things uh, from day to day, from week to week. God, we just thank you for the greater things. And so, Lord, this morning, we just want to follow your spirit. We want to uh, knock it up a level. Uh, we, we, we want to uh, heighten our ability to be able to be sensitive to your spirit, to be able to catch that nuance of breath that comes across us and just have that knowing that this is next. So that's what we're asking for, Lord, is that you increase, bring it up a level, our ability to follow your spirit and to stay in your presence. Uh, work on our hearts and our willingness and our responsiveness, Lord. We, we want to be a part of this great, glorious outbreak. We want to be a part of it. We want to be even more a part of it than what we are now. And the word I just keep hearing is that God has given us uh, this pattern of living in his spirit, of being in his presence, being willing, being responsive. He's given us the pattern because he's called us to be initiators of the greater things. Even as Elijah called down uh, the fire to consume the water, he, he's an initiator uh, of the glory and the demonstrations of God. I, I just feel like God wants to release that initiation within us, the, the state to initiate the move of God. So Lord, we just receive that, that word that, that we are initiators of your move, that we are so at one with your spirit that we know when to call the fire. We know when to call the healing. We know when to move the mountains, Lord. We know and then we, we wait expectantly for your response to our initiation. So Jesus, we just thank you that uh, you've given us the power and the authority to do all these things. And we just love you so much and, and just glorify you. We glorify you. So I'm just asking you to take us down memory lane. Read, read us your book of all the things you've done for us and, and build our faith within it, Lord. And we just thank you and give us that 
uh, initiator opportunity today to bring heaven to earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Okay, you guys have a great week. We'll be together on Thursday night. And if you'd like prayer, we're glad to pray for you. Thank you so much for listening. For more podcasts like this and to connect with me, go to my website, cindy-stewart.com. And remember, you are the best investment you can make.